Parents. I am Mary Teresa Archibald. And I am Pat Shea. And we are so happy to be sharing stories from funny people who used to entertain people in front of an audience <laughs> and now just tell stories from their bedrooms, from the closets, while their children are napping in the next room. Yes. I, do we actually have a closet told story today? Okay, not today. Yeah. And actually, our last but episode, story, yes, a nap time story. Shane and Claire were speaking from their car, and we, we haven't told you that. Uh, we will get to that. They have another story that we will share in due course, and you'll understand why they were podcasting from their car. Which is amazing. Uh, so we are thrilled to be here. Um, thank you for everybody who's been listening and please take a second to rate, review, and share the podcast. It's been going great. And it really helps people find find us, you know. In fact, speaking of it going great, we were really excited because last week when we released, or last episode when we released, uh, we cracked the top 200 in, in Kids and Family and on the uh, Apple. Apple, thank you. Apple, yes, Apple, that big <laughs> company, Apple. Yeah, uh, with yes. a very simple name. <laughs> Yes, we're still doing school in New York. You must forgive us. Exactly. We have two more days left of school because here in New York, kids go to school forever. Right. Yeah. So then they will get three and a half weeks of summer vacation <laughs> and back again. And back to the dining room table they go. Um, yeah. So tonight, uh, a little bit later, you're going to be hearing from our friend Jean Villapique. Yes. Who you might know as Michelle Jones on NBC's AP Bio. Absolutely. And now the Peacock Network's yes. AP Bio. Yes. In the meantime, though, we have an amazing story about all sorts of adventures, uh, real and imaginary, from our friend Kevin Scott. Now, a few weeks ago, we had uh, storyteller Matt Higgins on from yeah. the legendary improv group Centralia. Uh, Kevin Scott is also a member of Centralia. In fact, yes, also a member of Centralia, also a fellow teacher with me at the People's Improv Theater in Manhattan. And uh, in his past, he was also the video director of Mark Maron's Jerusalem Syndrome. Absolutely. Kevin is an amazing filmmaker and he's created videos all sorts of stuff i will share at least one of them on our facebook page but uh he created for instance a web series called tmi a tmz parody uh, featuring ellie kemper and law and order interns featuring grace helbig and he's going to share this amazing story yeah. about being a stay-at-home dad mm -hmm. and his daughter and their stuffed animals it's you know i don't know if it's going to take the shape of a story and it's, but it's actually sort of about storytelling in general um because i was pretty much a stay-at-home dad mm -hmm. um you know not by design uh my my wife really wanted to have a kid when we first started dating um we met you know later in life Right, uh, you guys met on a dating game. We met on a live dating game at a, at the People's Improv Theater. <laughs> That's right. I was bachelor number one, I think, and she was the bachelorette, and sh she picked me. And pretty much our first date, we sat down. We went to see 12 Angry Men. That was the prize, two tickets to 12 <laughs> Angry Men. Nothing more romantic than right on Broadway to see 12 Angry Men. Um but ended up being super fun. But like right away, she's like, I want you to know I want to have kids. 
wow. right away. So if you're not interested, you know, we should just end here. And I was like, Gah. <laughs> <laughs> I convinced her to like give it eight months. I was like, let's just see in eight months, we can then have a conversation about dating for another couple of years and then have a kiss. Like it, it would, it would mm-hmm. be in the future. And at well, that time, I think Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie weren't married. Although okay. they probably had kids, so this wasn't a good argument. But I was like, when Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie get married, then I'll consider getting married, and then we'll have kids. <laughs> you know? But it didn't work out because like they started adopting kids, and it was you know they being Brad and Angelina. Um, and we all know how that worked out. Anyway, um, <laughs> I I went to went to uh, Los Angeles. Um, and I visited mm. some friends who had kids. Uh-huh. And, and around this time, I started really contemplating improv a little deeper. Um, I always, had always considered myself like a filmmaker who used improv as a tool, but I mm-hmm. seemed to have been spending all my time doing improv and my reputation was built on improv. And I started to take it a little more seriously. And I had been teaching it for a while. So I started to really sort of, you know, live it and, and what it really means. And you know, the idea of saying yes, just say yes to something. So I visited these friends in Los Angeles who had kids and they both were like, we wish we had said yes to kids much earlier. Uh. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And they were having such a great time. Now, don't get me wrong. They were both like successful Hollywood guys, you know, who had nannies and everything else. So their perspective is very different than what I knew mine would be because I ended up being a stay-at-home dad. Um, so I did say yes. I came back from Los Angeles and I was like, okay, let's, let's do it. I'll say yes. Cause I'm an improviser and we'll, we'll see how it goes. You know, <laughs> nothing like sort of an impulsive decision, uh, mm-hmm. that would last not just the rest of my life, but would, you know, the life of another human being that I would then be responsible for. Yeah. But you just say yes. So, so, uh, you know, I was a stay at home dad. My wife had the, the sort of steady job and I was freelancing. Um, so I could, take the time. And, and the, most of the work I did was from home anyway. So I could do stuff late at night and take care of the kid. So, but very early on, I started improvising with Winnie, um, not straight up improv, although she has done several improv shows with me over the years. Um, we would improvise. She loves stuffed animals, you know, like plush toys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she has well over a hundred still to this day. Wow. Um, yeah, and they they all have names and occupations. They live in an imaginary world she invented called Candyland. Awesome. And there's there's a king and a queen. The king is Eeyore from the Hundred Acre Woods. Interesting. And the queen is Nala from the Lion King, and they're married. Mm-hmm. And they have a bunch of kids who are these little dogs uh, who are a team of adventure heroes called Team Dog. Nice. <laughs> Smart. They have different yeah. powers. They're not all dogs, though. Uh, there is a there is a bison, uh, which for a while her stuffed bison, who's named Crandall, uh, was her favorite for a long time. She took Crandall everywhere, mm. and people would say, "Oh, that's a cute buffalo," and she would stop dead in her tracks and look them right in the eye and say, "It's a bison," because <laughs> that's the kind of kid she was. Because you know, there's a difference between a bison and a buffalo. Yeah, she, she knows what it is. I don't. Right. Um, so we would ha- we would spend all our time having these adventures with with Team Dog and the people of Candyland, and whenever she got a new stuffed animal, we sort of had to play the same story, which she called the introducement. Uh, and she would get stuffed animals like at the drop of a hat, you know, like 
I, I don't even, my, my wife lost her uh, keys once for a couple of days and then she found her keys. And then, so to go celebrate, we went to the local pharmacy and bought her a new stuffed animal. Uh, not my <laughs> wife, Winnie. So like that, sure. And that, that became lucky because we were lucky that day. So that was lucky. Who was part of team dog. Um, so she, she has all these, and she has like huge ones. She has this Dr. Seuss, no, not Dr. Seuss, the cat in the hat from Dr. Seuss. Mm -hmm. She, she named Dr. Seuss, but Dr. Seuss was an actor and would play the villain in her stories who was Zira, who was a lioness. Holy cow. All very complicated. So when Dr. Seuss wasn't playing Zira, he sort of had a British accent. (laughs) Uh, but then when <laughs> Dr. Seuss was Zira, Zira had like this evil voice. And Winnie and I would sort of take turns, like who was doing the voice and who was playing what character, depending on what, you know, what the needs of the scenario were at any given moment. But we'd always play the introducement, which was a character, you know, this new stuffed animal had falls through a portal, which existed in Winnie's room. And that portal would take them to Candyland. And there in Candyland, they would be mistaken as one of Zira's henchmen. <gasps> always, always. And so the, the team dog would have to figure out, you know, what to do with this henchman. And then the new stuffed animal would have to convince themselves that they were good and they weren't evil and weren't <sighs> part of Zira's evil plan to take over Candyland and turn, uh, turn it into a Zira-themed restaurant <laughs> with Zira-themed merchandise. Like t-shirts that say Zira is the best. Oh, Merchandising. Yep. Merchandising. Yeah. Merchandising was the evil. So we pretty much would play this all day, every day. And some of the scenarios would change in that there was flood scenarios and fire scenarios where we would have to take the stuffed animals one at a time and put them on a raft, which is usually <laughs> like a piece of cardboard, and sail it from her bedroom into our living room. So we would slowly migrate 100 stuffed animals into the living room. <laughs> but they had to be in the appropriate groups because certain animals, you know, like to be with their, their close friends, which was often yeah. by size and by animal type. So we spent most of her childhood reenacting these uh, scenarios. And that's it. I think that's, that's my story about, you know, and it was all really about saying, yes, my wife hated to do these stories. <laughs> And it's all Winnie ever wanted to do is like, let's play stuffies. That's what she called it. Let's play stuffies. And my wife would just be like, oh my God, okay, I'll do it. She reluctantly oh. would do it. But I loved it because it was hilarious. And I tried very hard to instill in her like the the 12 steps of the hero's journey, you know, the Joseph Campbell. <laughs> you know. Like, where's, where's yeah. the mentor? Which character's the mentor who's going to teach them? You know, who's the harbinger, Winnie? Who's going to bring the news? You know, what's the world they have to enter and to learn your lesson? Oh, All yeah. of that stuff. Uh, she's actually a gifted writer now, I think, because we drilled those things pretty early. But oh, it was amazing. Yeah, it was super fun. Super fun times. I wish I could say there was one moment where we were like, totally changed but i think like doing anything where you rehearse a lot like we both slowly got better at you know playing together i became a much better parent i think mm-hmm. um because winnie was very bossy with the storytelling and i sort of learned to just listen to her needs because i would try to force i'm like i don't think you understand winnie i'm very <laughs> good at this <laughs> and this is how this story should be going right now you're you're breaking the rules of the hero's journey right now 
you know, and but I would have to listen to her because she'd get very upset and she'd be like, "No, this is how it's going to be." And I'd be like, "Okay." So I really learned how to like, as a parent and as an improviser, just listen to her lead and follow her lead and and try and yes and her stuff and not be the center of it. Because that's what parenting is, is learning not to be the center of it. Wow. Whoa. Yeah. Right? It's not about you anymore, which was, I probably knew that when I was reluctant in the beginning to become a parent, was I knew mm-hmm. that like my selfish <laughs> days had to end. But what I what I sort of saw when I visited my friends is like, there's an upside to that as well. Like you can have a lot of fun. And we did. We had a blast. We had, you know, we weren't rich. We were poor-ish. You know, act, working actor, poor. Yeah. And so like all we had was time and stuffed animals. And we made the best with it. Wow. Yeah, we still, we still do it. We still, we've been working on stuffy Star Wars where we've cast all of her stuffed animals as the different Star Wars characters. And we've created sets and, and all that stuff, props. And we've been slowly filming, recreating Star Wars scene by scene. Holy cow. Yeah, it's crazy. That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, because she loves Star Wars. Again, Hero's Journey. Yeah. Stuff. Um, oh, she cool. hates she hates that I like breaking things down in terms of like when a moment happens. <laughs> I'm like, see, that's that's the two worlds. The two worlds are coming together. The old Luke and the new Luke are now the synthesis Luke. <laughs> She's like, shut up, let him blow up the Death Star. I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> reason when i hear the word introducement it sounds like some sort of ritual initiation into some sort of society (laughs) you're imagining like lots of stuffed animals like in hoods in a basement yes exactly and they have to chant things and do things right and paddles and the whole thing you have come to the introducement Pat was never in a fraternity. <laughs> no. But I've seen a... Pitch Perfect, right? They have something like that in Pitch Perfect. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. No, I was in a sorority, and it's a lot of like, yay, we love you sort of situations. Well, there you have it. Yes. I was on the campus newspaper, and we had a dark ritual initiation. I'm kidding. <laughs> but really, what I took away from that story was my burning desire to know how Kevin solved the storage issue that yeah. comes with that many stuffed animals. Because if you are like us, it's an issue. Yeah. Where do you put them? Yeah. And we tried to set rules as far as there can only be 10 and everything else has to go in the bags where, you know, the Ziploc vacuum bag things. We that... even got the netting that you put up and that they were supposed to be in a net like a yeah. hammock. That didn't work. Um, so I asked Kevin and I thought their solution was ingenious. So hang, they use the over-the-door hanging shoe hangers, like the clear plastic mm-hmm. ones, and each stuffed animal goes into one of those, except they decorated it to make it look like an apartment building. Yeah. So each stuffed animal has their own space. It's amazing. Their own apartment, apartment 1C, 3D, you know, and so yeah. they have their neighbors and their floors, and they really feel bonded that way. Yeah. Uh, which reminds me, if you 
have a cool storage solution that you have seen or that you have at home uh, for any sort of toys, uh, Barbies, trains, Legos, uh, drop by our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash funny parents, and let us know about it. Or if your storage is a hot mess like ours, (laughs) um, which, you know, I have all these like, we have Ikea. We have Ikea. We have the the grid thing. The thing with the boxes, with the boxes that you put in. Yeah. Yep. That's what we have. They're not even like, there used to be a train bin and no, now it's all just toy stuff. Crap. crap, Put it there. Crap bins around. Uh, And like three empty ones. Yeah. When there's still crap all over the floor. Um, So if you also have that, feel free to come to facebook.com slash funny parents and share it. No shame. Let us know how many people use the Ikea grid thing. Um, Next up, we have a story from our friend, Jean Vilpeak. Uh, who is another person we got to know in Chicago performing at IO and, and the second city. And uh, now she has moved on. Uh, she is on AP bio, which was on NBC is now going to be on the Peacock network. She's also been in sharp objects, better call Saul. Mm-hmm. Uh, and very excitingly for us when we first saw it yeah. was uh, she played Rachel Wallace on the office. Yes. If you remember David Wallace, the big boss, and they go over to his house from time to time, and and she's Rachel, his wife, on The Office. So if you're binging that like we are during COVID, you get to see Jean. Yay! But she's sharing this tale. She has a lovely 18-month-old son who, unfortunately, needed shots during COVID. Take a listen. We're currently still living in a shelter in place situation during this um, global pandemic of 2020. And our son is, um, let's see, he's going to be 18 months old in like two weeks. So he was 15 Mm. months old in January, February, March, in April. So that was a month in. We started staying home March 13th and he's supposed to get some shots right on that 15th month mark. And, um, we checked in with our pediatrician and my sister's a nurse practitioner. And we're kind of like, these aren't the crucial shot. Like they can get, we can kick the can down the road a little bit. We could wait. So we didn't go in April. I think that was when everything was spiking. Um, And my husband, Brian is really um, uh, uh, vigilant about what's going on with the disease and how we're responding to it. And we have We've been going to the grocery store once a week only or every eight or nine days. And the person who goes wears the whole like gloves mask comes in. We luckily have an extra shitty refrigerator in our garage. So we put everything in that. You know, when we were at the beginning, (laughs) everyone was washing their groceries and everything. So it was like, whoops. So um, it was like put all the groceries in there. And then the person like pulls off their plastic Gloves and shower. Anyway, we were so careful. Yeah, yeah. About everything, and I was just pan- like very pandemic focused. And a month later, I called the pediatrician. I was like, "Does does Bruce, our son, does he need to get these shots?" And they were like, "Pretty much, yeah." And it's okay. We're set up for the um, uh, social distancing, I guess, within the um, pediatrician's office. And I was like, "Okay, great." So mm-hmm. we got Bruce ready, and I. Packed, and only one of us could go. So usually one, you know, we're kind of 
tag teaming at the pediatrician and one person changes him and one person holds the phone or records everything that's happening because both of us forget pretty quickly in the moment the doctor can list all of the <laughs> height, weight, percentages, you know, so the other one's usually like either recording it or putting it in their phone. So yeah. I I decide I'm going to go, or uh, we decided, and then got the car ready, mask, gloves, um, uh, Bruce is ready, get in the car, drive over. And I kind of forgot, this was still, I guess this was May, so um, a little over a month ago. It was still weird to go out into the world. I forgot that even that is upsetting. So we drove, I parked, and as soon as I opened the door, everything seemed so loud. There were trucks whizzing by, and our son has just been in our home and walking around our block. So his world is so so small, and he's so small in this extraordinary developmental stage. His experiences are so small. So I was like, oh, wow, this is... Yeah. in the empath way, like, oh my God, the truck is going to upset him and this and that, trying to like protect him from that. And we walked in and the the receptionist was like, stand outside. You know, everything was just so alarming standing outside and she's got her mask on and she's like, this patient's going to leave and you can come in. And then we came in and Bruce, and I was prepared for everything except the fact that Bruce's developmental age, he remembered for the first time being at the pediatrician and remembered that he got shots there. So I brought him into the room onto the table and he usually was like, Ooh, these lights, mirror, circle, light, all, you know, whatever. And he just mm-hmm. lost it to trauma crying. And you know, the, the like different levels of crying and that hasn't happened but maybe yeah. twice um, in his life where he was that upset. And the nurse came in to, or the uh, the woman who was going to take his weight and height. And he just, w- just wall to wall, screaming, screaming, screaming. She has a mask on. Then she looks terrifying to him. She's like covered in PPE. And she's like, can you take his diaper off? Take his diaper off. I was like, wah, wah, wah. So I take his clothes off. He is screaming and uh, this has never happened before. I start crying because I feel like I'm hurting him. You know, like he doesn't understand that I'm trying to help him. He's screaming. She's trying to scream at me what to do. Finally, he gets measured and weighed, is crawling up me like, why? Why would you do this to me? I can't figure out why because I'm thinking, what is he going to get? He's not going anywhere that he needs a vaccine, but I guess it's timely. So then the doctor comes in and I had these questions like, He's been like just weird ones. Like, should he have 22 or 24 ounces of milk? Like there there were just weird questions that mm. in the moment at yep. home, you're like, this is what I'm going to ask my pediatrician. How long should his pinky be? Because this seems weird. So I'm in there like, shit, I forgot my, my pinky questions and my like milk questions. And the, and she's just like, get in, get out. And she starts, she also has in the past liked to do these sneak up shots on him where she stands behind him. And also our pediatrician is really sweet, but she is like, hello, like she's kind of comes off like a kid (laughs) and we're in our, like very comfortably in our middle age years and are kind of like, hey, where's the gravitas? So she's like, (laughs) and then I said, please don't sneak up and and give him shots. I need to see it coming. I was like, if you want to, I want to tell him it's going to hurt. 
which I mean, P.S. He's already wailing. I don't know what he needs to know. Things are going to hurt. He yeah. remembers. <laughs> And that's what the assistant who did who waited was like, oh yeah, this is the time they remember being here before. Is she shouting through her mask? And so I can't mm. see if she's like smiling at me or not. But I was like, oh God, let's let let's let him know. He's very bright. And I don't like you sneak up shots. That's crazy. I don't understand. Yeah. I'm sorry if yeah. she doesn't want him to associate it with her, but that's that's the deal. So she's like, this is gonna hurt. He yeah. starts howling. I, I am just beyond because you know the sound of i the and i have also recorded this on my phone <laughs> because i had said to my husband like since you're not there i'll record all this i haven't listened to it it just reminded me that i have to listen to it but i don't think i want to hear him cry like that but it was just like ah! and then just like 21.3 ounces how much milk ah! like it sounds like a war zone but he got two shots got into i carried him out and also i was like oh i need brian to be here because he's heavy and i was like i'm just carrying this is like trying to dress him carry him get him out outside by the loud trucks get him in the car and then i text my husband like he's screaming and then my husband's like what the hell happened i'm like no it's okay but and then they call me back oh like God. you left your wallet and i had just buckled him into the <gasps> car and i was like oh my god because i was like we're going home bruce we'll never go back there again you know and i take him out <laughs> walk back and luckily this woman had uh, uh, the assistant had come out and brought like met me part way with my wallet but i was just mm -hmm. like this was so extreme. And then I just mm -hmm. gave him a little packet in the car and one of those little like zucchini yogurt flax, whatever's in there. And he was like, do, do, do. Sure. And he was fine. And then I was just like, oh, what has happened? Like I couldn't, I couldn't breathe. I was, it was, I, I wish I had gotten the shots. I don't know. It, so that, that's, oh. that was pandemic vaccination. Uh, I don't have, Wow. I sounded like I was going to have a title, like pandemic vaccination something, but I don't. That was our pandemic vaccination situation across the nation. Wow. Amazing. I'm done rhyming. Wow. <laughs> got a wallet. Yeah. And, and of course you do. Of course you do. Because... It's just not a thought at that moment. Mm -hmm. And I totally remember with our older guy, he had just that moment at right around 18 months where he walked into the doctor's office, recognized it, and immediately went into panic mode. And I think it was later that day, he actually not only needed shots, but he had to get blood drawn. Oh. And at that time, he was so chubby, they couldn't find his arteries and they just kept sticking him again and again and again. Oh my God. They get, then, then they got the they nurse who up, was like- right? They did eventually give yeah. up. After they got the nurse, who was the expert, who can get blood out of anything, and she still couldn't, she couldn't do, it. do it. This poor child just kept getting stuck and stuck and stuck and stuck. And oh, it was torture yeah. for the poor little guy. And I totally remember our next appointment, the pediatrician was like, oh, we didn't get that blood work. And we sort of smiled and nodded and backed sideways, you know, out the door and yeah, disappeared into the bushes like, like Homer Simpson. To. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. It's Hey, oh, thank, thank you, you so much for listening to these great stories from Kevin and Jean. And again, let, let us ask you to drop by your podcasting tool and leave a rating, leave a review. It helps people find the show. And we really, really appreciate it. And uh, 
we love hearing from you guys. It helps us feel less isolated mm-hmm. in this time. I know we're all sort of in our silos um, and we all need to reach out and support each other. Yeah. And thanks for listening. Yeah.